Well, we've got Mega Cap Tech shining once again. We see a fairly dour picture being priced by commodity markets. We see US banks back in the central spotlight as the debt ceiling kicks onto our radars. This is the trade-off. Well, hello, I'm Chris Weston, the Head of Research here at Pepstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And as always, we're going to be going over the setups, the flows, the movers and shakers that have come across our, our radar, all the various event risks that you need to be aware of if you're not already. And I'm going to bring in the great man, Mr. Blake Morrow, into the programme. Mr. Blake Morrow, how are you, my good sir? Well, hello, well, hello. Chris. How well, are I'm you? Just, I'm just looking down at my phone at the moment, as I always do. There's a, there's a message from uh, PIQ. I don't know if you can see it. Um, yeah, and you can see this weather pattern that I'm looking down uh, in a place called Dublin, um, uh, in in near Texas. Now I'm only saying that because you've just been there, and I want to make sure that you weren't caught up in what what, what looks like a, a horrific, horrific weather pattern. Uh, well, actually, I was caught up in that weather pattern. Not maybe not that <laughs> specific one, but I we went o over Austin, which isn't too far from Dublin, Texas. That's right. We yeah. were circling Austin. Uh, got diverted because we ran out of ga uh, fuel. We we uh, di got diverted to Houston. Sat on the tarmac for seven hours seven before hours. finally making it in. It's crazy, and we couldn't even deplane. So yeah, it was a. Uh, uh, for those of you that are pilots, the pilots timed out. That means they sat there too <laughs> long. They were inactive. They had to be replaced. It was crazy. But Texas is, uh, and those of you that have been there know that it's probably has the most violent weather swings. Anywhere that I've ever seen, but some of the best, but, but, but some of the best steak restaurants as well. That's true. But the, <laughs> the, the the if you could trade the weather like we trade FX volatility, it'd be awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's uh, maybe there's something in there. We just need to get some futures going on anyway. Anyway, let's go into let's go into the topical funder. What a, what a fitting way to start the program. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, equity markets, Blake. I think that sort of feeds into a nice segue into, into the second uh, synopsis on necessary subject to earnings. Um, look, this idea about p poor breadth that we've been seeing um, coming through in the markets, mega cap tech's absolutely shining at the moment. You know, we've just seen Meta coming out with some numbers. The second quarter revenue numbers have been boosted. This is a market, darling. All the hedge funds have ploughed into this beginning of this year saying it's all about Meta this year. The stock's just, just in a beautiful uptrend at the moment. We've got Apple coming out next week you know, with, with earnings as well. Um, they're looking all right. Banks have sort of been in the spotlight, we've seen good trading opportunities within within the banks, but I think yeah, you've been watching obviously First Republic. Yeah, we're sort of questioning whether they're going to be around much longer, given that they're potentially not going to get access to the to the Fed's liquidity programs going forward. Um, but yeah, obviously everyone's been sort of focused on this idea that, that, that the equity markets is just having this little bit of a grind lower, um, but it's being held up by mega cap tech, which of course is, is prevalent to the, to the index weightings we've been seeing. I'm interested to get your take now. Like, uh, are you bullish? Are you bearish? Yeah, what, what are you seeing of risk reward, and which which market do you specifically want to focus on? Well, I, actually, I'm focused on all three of them, and I have to say that the breadth is really poor. One of the things that we pointed out, uh, it just in, inside of our community. Following the uh, the Microsoft and Google earnings, uh, I guess it would be two days ago uh, in Australia, but a couple of days back, a day and a half ago, um, 
the market couldn't even rally, couldn't even bounce. Uh, we couldn't even get back above 4,100 in European trade on the S&P futures, uh, even as, as the DAX continues to hold this you know, beautiful uptrend. You know, your European equities continue to look pretty great. Um, I guess the scary thing is, is when, 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 when you get all these great earnings, and we're going to obviously dive a little bit into the earnings uh, season, um, the market's still having a hard time rallying. And that, that is the, the underlying weakness that I think that you're sensing and that we're feeling in the markets. Yep. And that is very concerning, Chris. <clears throat> I mean, uh, like I said, we're going to dive a little bit into the earnings season uh, moving forward. But I think there's something bigger brewing uh, that the market's really thinking about. Liquidity, my good friend. Liquidity is the oxygen within the market's lungs. And I think that's going to yeah. be coming out of the market in a big way. Now, the way, the way I like to play this, you know, tech's doing well. Everyone's buying tech. And I think there, there's some juice in that. But from an index perspective, if we want to get the nuts and bolts, then, yeah, I think being long the NASDAQ, being short the Russell 2000 is a trade that I really like at the moment. It's working well. It's breaking out to new highs. Um Obviously, there's a massive weighting towards mega cap in, in the NASDAQ, and so you, you get that component in there. Obviously, in the Russell, it's going to be much more on the smaller end of town. It's going to be much more heavily weighted towards smaller banks, regional banks. And so you're playing the weightings and the components of the index against each other. So yeah, I think there's downside in equity. I think the risk reward favours the downside, but the way I play this is it's a lower beta strategy than just going, you know, you know having one delta position, you know, one direction. Um, and I, and I like that now. If, if we think that both, if we think all markets are going to go down, I'm not saying they're going to, but if they are, then I'd imagine tech will probably hold up better in this in this lowering growth environment. And therefore, I think being long in the Nasdaq and, and short the Russell is working. And I think it will continue to work as a trade. Well, you know, you, you bring up. I, I love Paris trade, by the way. For for us as U.S. traders, kind of eats up a lot of uh, margin. I, I know it's different for. The way that you trade CFDs and 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 you know when you have Australian brokers, which by the way, here's a plug for Pepperstone. Why don't you go ahead and open a Pepperstone account because your margins are going to be a lot less than mine. Check I'll guarantee it. you that. <laughs> but you guys in America, um, you you've know, got it. You've got it bad, haven't you? You've got dodgy weather. You've got bad airlines. You know you, you five, can't trade decent margin. <laughs> FIFO, you know you name it. It first in first out sucks. Decent you know, state restaurant. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that actually turns our attention to the next topic, Chris. I, I want to talk about earnings because, you know, you're you're heading into, you know, playing tech, you know, kind of outperforming. But we do have Apple next week, as you just pointed out. And I want to talk a little bit about this earnings season because I think we could probably both agree it's not too cold, um, but not too hot. Is it just right? You know, and that's kind of the point I want to kind of look at the market is are we in a situation where the market expectations were so low that you're seeing some of these earnings not so bad but let's dig into it a little bit like first of all Microsoft Microsoft had really strong earnings uh they 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 really talked about AI they talked about the cloud and how well you know revenues are there so that's good but then you take you know some of the big tech names like Google they they're cutting uh cutting you know, uh, staff and and cutting all over the place for weak ad space. And that kind of goes the same with, with Meta. And when you take Google, they're doing $70 billion worth of buybacks. Meta, I think, is doing 50 total. I think they did 8 billion, then 41 billion or something like that, something close to that. They got approved for another basically 50 billion in buybacks. But Meta, they just cut a bunch of staff. They're, they're and I don't know if you should really cheer tech companies for 
not making as much money and cutting workforce. I don't know. But but the market is obviously Meta's responded pretty well. But then you look at, you know, Visa, you know, and, and we're going to get MasterCard tomorrow, by the way. But you got Visa that's, you know, the consumer, they're basically they're saying the consumer ain't dead. But then then you look at McDonald's and you're like McDonald's CEO says, well, everybody's balking at the high cost of hamburgers and fries. And yep. then last but not least, you know, one that's on my mind is UPS. UPS did have lower guidance and 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 or they they had some, you know, lower guidance and they they really, you know, talked about shipping volumes falling and that from a global macro perspective is something I think that that really we all need to pay attention to. But what are your thoughts about this earnings season? I'm sorry, it, it up most, I was going to say, uh, you're going to let, you're gonna let me speak, oh. are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, please, please, please. I was going to say, for an, guy, you, for an FX guy, you're doing pretty well on the on the stock side of things. You've been following it very closely, and, and kudos to that. But, um, no, I mean, the earnings season's been all right. Uh, 40% of companies have come out so far, 81% have beaten on the EPS line by an average of 6.5% or so, 65% of beaten on sales. Relative to the long-run average, that's good numbers, right? Um, I think the equity market just looks at two things, and, and that's yeah, what, what's the path of interest rates, and also the the, the, you know, the liquidity from the balance sheet. Reserves have started falling again, and it's no no coincidence then that the equity market's coming under pressure. So I think earnings are important, but I think they take a backseat to, to liquidity um, and, and the path of interest rates in the US. Apple next week could be interesting. Yeah, markets expecting what margins of forty four point one percent, ninety two billion in revenue. The implied move on the day is about 4.4%. So that's 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 obviously going to be the big one. Obviously, it's coming at, in a week of payrolls as well and other factors. But, I mean, the earnings season has been pretty good relative to expectations. Um, but, yeah, for me, the, the dominant drivers of equity markets, um, you know, big techs obviously perform well because of the, um, yeah, the better numbers. But I, I still think when we're looking at an equity perspective, once this is done, and, and it's really done at the end of this week, we're back to watching... Yeah, you know, reserves on the Fed's balance sheet or your reserve liabilities, should we say? Yeah, you know, we're back to watching what happens with the TGA, the, the general account, and we're we're back to watching, yeah, you know, what's priced in for the rest of the year in rates. That that to me is going to be the dominant driver there. I just want to say uh, Amazon is tomorrow. You know, I think we'll get a good uh, read on the U.S. consumer uh, and, and global consumer, really, for that matter. Uh, so Amazon's going to be rather, rather important as we go into tomorrow. I know we need to move along. So, good man. Uh, yeah, no, I think, that's a, I think that's a good call. So Amazon, we'll get Amazon out the way, get, get Apple out the way, and we can get back to completely watching macro forces dominate uh, the market, as I said, watching the Fed li- reserve uh, liabilities and, and, and getting into the debt ceiling as well. I think that's going to be a big one, which we can touch on in two points. Commodities. Let's go into commodities because overnight we've seen the US dollar a touch weaker. Dollar index was down about 0.4%. Euro dollar pushed into the high 110s. It's come back a little bit from that point. Um, but there wasn't really much pronounced moves in the dollar. We didn't really see too much in the in the moves of you know, people selling duration. Real rates were up a few basis points. But yeah, commodity markets are painting quite a dow pitch. Now, I've got some views on this, but we've seen crude closing the recent gap. Crude was down 3.6%. It's starting to show momentum. In a market where you know, so many markets have been, the strategy has been trading mean reversion. You know, that's worked really, really well. Certainly in equity markets, trading a mean reversion intraday strategies has killed it. But we're starting to see some momentum strategies starting to work in certain markets. That's happening in crude. Go and have a look at copper. Copper's now trading at the yeah, the recent lows, the range lows as well. If it breaks through those lows, yeah, that's going to potentially start trending. Going to the ags markets, you know, oats, wheat. They're all starting to, to they're, they're bear trending with, with some momentum as well. So it's not, you know, it's trend following systems, it's momentum systems in there. And I think that's interesting, but certainly from the industrial side of things, from crude, 
the message that I'm hearing, Blake, and, and I want to hear yours, is that the US growth is is slowing. We've got the Atlanta Fed model now now cast just over one percent, but also you know China's an interesting one. China's growth has been pretty good recently. We've seen that in industrial production. We've seen that in the GDP numbers, property numbers, the building numbers have been good. But it's all been front-loaded stimulus. All the credit has been front-loaded, and people are now saying that's going to dissipate and potentially Chinese growth has peaked. We've seen the best it's going to be. And I think the commodity story is telling us that. So I'm watching the commodity complex very, very closely, as you can tell, and I think it's telling us a, a, a few red flags are appearing there. I agree with you. And, you know, one of the things, and I'm glad you brought up copper, I, you know, I trade, I trade the Aussie quite actively, um, and we'll go into that, obviously, and, you know, as we get into the charts. Uh, but that that you know they call uh, they call copper doctor copper you know it's uh, t- t- it's PhD it's there to economics yeah yeah you know it's there to you know kind of tell us the health of uh, the global economy if you will but you're right the commodities are really weak and you can see it in FX I mean you got you got commodity currencies such as your home home country the Australian dollar. Uh, the Kiwi dollar is pretty weak itself, even even as uh, as as the Aussies pulled back, the, the Kiwi starting to pull back. Correct. The Canadians weak, you know, reflective of what's happening with crude. Same with Norway. Um, the emerging market currencies, which are sometimes mixed in with commodity currencies, they've been mixed performance. Uh, but I mean, overall, you've got, you know, the dollar South African rand that's not far from you know, reaching for all-time highs or, you know, multi-decade highs or whatever it would be. But the, I think that is something that is worth noting. And if things start to fail and you start to see equities back below, you know, let's talk, you know, below 3,900, back towards, you know, I, I think the, the market's in more of a 3,800 to 4,200 range as far as the S&P goes. But if we start dipping back down below 4,000, I think you're going to see these commodities and commodity currencies really take a, take a licking. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the equity market's been holding on. Um, we talk about breadth, but that, that doesn't really matter too much. I think it goes down, and we do see vols pick up a little bit. Everyone's trading one-day vols at the moment, and one-day VIX and, and zero DTE options, aren't they? Forty-six percent of all options are traded on on, on such zero you know, same-day options, effectively. But I think if we were to see higher vols, and that would manifest into 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 you know significant drawdown in the market or a bigger drawdown, yeah, volatility is is so so key. And I think obviously commodity currencies. Uh, the Aussie dollar will, will follow that as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, well let's move on to the last topic, Chris. And it, it's really, um, I'm going to I'm gonna actually go off of your last week's topic, which you brought up, which is the debt ceiling. And, you know, it is quite a topic that is, it's gaining momentum. Uh, and I, I don't think we need to go through all of the, the ups and downs and why and why nots that, that, that the U.S. is going to continue to pay its debt, or maybe it won't. It will. Uh, although... Goldman just put out something that they believe because uh, the tax season has been pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, the X date, the X date is what's the date that, uh, that, the, that the U.S. You know, runs out of money? What, what date do we have to raise the debt ceiling by? They feel that that could be in July or early August, um, which some people are speculating is between June and September. But since tax receipts have been really strong, could be, you know, July or August. So. Yeah. The reason why we should be talking about this now is because I think I want to know what your plays are going to be. And I'm going to kind of illustrate what my plays are going to be in this type of situation. Right. Because I am very nervous owning U.S. dollars. Rightly so. To the point where well, I don't even want to be short the euro right now. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we come back to our friends that, that not all dollars are, are traded equally in this. And I, I think, sure. yeah, go back to 2011, because it is 
eerily similar to 2011. You've had, you know, the Democrats had a complete sweep, a united Democrat government. We went into the midterms. They lost, you know, lost power in the House. We've got a Republican-controlled House now. We've got a Democrat-controlled Senate. And we've got Biden in the White House. It's exactly the same setup as we've had in 2011, uh, where Obama was in the White House and we saw you know, the Democrats in, in the Senate and the Republicans having a, a better gain in, in, in that. And I think that same situation is true. We're going to use 2011 as our playbook. And I think McCarthy has a vested interest in taking this one right down to the wire and trying to get as much in spending caps out of this as possible, which, of course, the Democrats don't want to have a bar of this. So I think once we know the X date, which will probably come out next week, Janet Yellen will probably let us know the X date next week, this will come onto the market's radar. It's going to become deafening, wall-to-wall coverage. It's going to be all we're going to be talking about as we go into June. I think, yeah, July is probably your likely X date, given the tax receipts, maybe early August, whatever, but we'll know from Janet Yellen. It's usually two weeks out that liquidity dries out. Kansas City Fed put out a piece about the liquidity going in that two-week period. That's when shit gets real, right? That's when things get happening. That's when we ask, what if, if we peer over that X date? And I think there will be an agreement, but I think it will happen on the day of the X date, if not the day after. Now, the US won't default on its debts. We know that's going to ha- not going to happen. But there could be some cutbacks to Social Security, veterans payments, other areas as well. And that could massively hit confidence. So this is a growth story. It's not about a default story. This is not about a credit event. It's about a cyclical event. And it's about you know, growth coming down as a result of this. So the best way to play this, in my opinion, to ask your question there, uh, Blake, Aussie yen. I'm sure Aussie yen in that, in that two-week period. I think that's going to be that was the best play in 2011. I think it will be the best play this time as well. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you with the U.S. dollar, Japanese yen on the short the side. Ends I the think play, the U.S. dollar, the Japanese. The play. Short, short equities, short long volatility, and I think the yen, maybe the Swissy to an extent, but I think the yen is the place to uh, to hide out in a debt ceiling that that comes down to the wire, and I do thoroughly expect it to come down to the wire. So if you guys out there are not au fait with the debt ceiling, um, it's all we're going to be talking about in 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 a couple of months' time. So get used to it and get understanding of that, because that's all we're going to be talking about, and that's what we're going to be trading as our key thematic. You heard it here first. Did you? I'm not sure. But that's anyway, right. anyway so let's go to that's the setup. Right, I'm going to go to crude. We talked about it earlier. I want to bring up the daily chart of crude. You can see we had this big horizontal resistance level, or sort of just above 82 levels. We had the face failed breakout there. Uh, for people who watch this show quite often, uh, Blake and I talk about this idea that you know, fa- failed breakouts can be you know, very, very powerful indeed. We thought to ourselves when we saw that move into the 200-day moving average, into the uh, a breakout there, that potentially, are we going to start bull trending? It didn't happen. We saw the failed breakout. And from that point, it's just been selling, selling, selling. You can see the gap up that we saw on the Monday Open. We filled the gap there. We've done some more. We're actually at the 50% retracement level. Um, I've gone the Fibo route, and you can see we're just right on that, that 50% retracement of, of the recent rally. Uh, so it's kind of make or break. The buyers need to step in here. But I'm a, I'm a seller of rallies on this at the moment. Um, if it breaks that 50%, yeah, we could be going lower. And, and, and I think that's telling a pretty dark story there as well. That's going to have reverberations into the Nokia, into the CAD, all those kind of you know, crude com- uh, petro currencies. Blake, do we, do we break the 50%? Are you a seller of rallies? How are you playing this right now? I think we do break the 50%, but just so you guys know, the uh, 618, uh, which is hard to see on your screen, but we'll just um, tell you, it says 7170 or 7171, depending on what, you know, exactly what feed you're using, but it's just below 72 bucks. I actually think 70 is going to be more of a magnet, which is going to get us near a lot of those lows that were set previous to that spike down. So 
I think anywhere between 70 to 72 bucks, you're going to see a lot of support. So if you're on the short side, play, you played the failed breakout, you played the gap short, and you're just kind of riding it, just be a little careful when you get back down to 70. Um, but, you know, crude is also a recession story. And if we truly are going into a U.S. slash global recession, second half of 2023, I don't think crude's where you want to be. I think crude, you want to be a seller of rallies. So if, if for me... Personally, I'd be looking for a move back up to 80, somewhere in the 80 na- neighborhood. I'd be looking to sell it. But that's how I'd what do you think about, um, how about you? What about headlines around OPEC or, you know, because we saw recently the, the, the cutback in supply, um, you know, from, from Saudi Arabia and, and, and other, yeah. other nations. And that caused the gap up. But we've come back and given, given all of that back up now. So quickly before we go into the next one, um, what's, what's the propensity now, if you are short, to, to look out for those headlines from OPEC or one of these nations? Because clearly they're, Clearly, they're not liking this move that we're seeing. They wanted the market uh, higher. Obviously, that hasn't happened now. So, yeah, obviously, you've got headline risk working potentially against you. Yeah, I think you have to sell spikes, just like just what you saw three weeks ago. So you you see a spike up, you let it run out for a couple of days, let all the headlines dissipate, and you sell into that strength. Because this is a demand story, right? This is a demand story playing out. This is a demand story. This is a demand story and a a global growth story, which is going to be anemic going into the second half of this year, in my opinion. So... Um, how about you? How are you going to play it? Yeah, I'm a seller of rallies. <laughs> I think exactly the same. I think what, what we're seeing cool. now is this purely, this is a demand story, China, the US. I mean, I'm not giving up. I don't think it's, it's a dark, it's not, we're not seeing a, yeah, the, the demand side is, is certainly not doomsday by any means at all. But I think, yeah, the crude market's telling you that the demand is, is dissipating there. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, it is an interesting one. All right. Well, let's, Speaking of uh, crude or speaking of uh, the the uh, the next currency pair is going to be the euro knock. And, you know, f- for those of you that don't know, that's uh, the, the Noki or, you know, and I, I so I I I, I said uh, wisely knock my euro. Uh, but I that's very nice. It. It, was a bad, it. it was a bad joke. No, it I, sounded I like good. It. It's good. It's good. You did really well. <laughs> well, you know, this is a setup and actually it's not my setup. It's one of my colleagues, uh, Stelios Contagoulis. He pointed out that we are at the 618 golden Fibonacci ratio retracement of the post-COVID lockdown highs back in 2020 to the lows that we just set back in 2022. We're right back at that 618. It's very pivotal. You you can see the divergent relative strength. If crude starts to bounce, this might be a level that you sell it back into channel support. Maybe you look to pick it up uh, a little bit lower back on that, that red line channel support. But if crude continues to weaken, we might get an acceleration outside of this channel. And once you start breaking above that channel, you start opening. It's like open skies. So the Euro Nook is one. I actually traded it today. I don't have a position, um, but it is something that's on my radar because it's a setup of mine. What do you think here, Chris? Difficult one. Uh, yeah, big up Stellis as well. Um, yeah. You know. Good looking chart, and, and it's one yeah make or break. That's what we're looking for. The reaction coming through. I will say fundamentally, we've got the next um, CPI number in the in Europe in, on the second of May coming through. Uh, that could really influence the next ECB meeting, which comes out on the fourth of May. So I know that's yeah you know, when we're talking FX trading, we're talking intraday, very very short termism. So 
Yeah, but we are looking forward to ECB meeting on the 4th. The market is pricing 32 basis points of hike. So a 25 basis point is a done deal. There's about a seven basis point premium that we get a 50 basis point hike there as well. So that needs to come into play. And I think that CPI number next week will be a big one, big driver of the euro. I think that could be where, we're, where you know, if we chop around in a bit of a sideways pattern, that's what we're going to be looking forward to as well. Now, obviously, the Nokia is playing um, crude, as you point out, but it's also the highest beta FX play in G10. So that means, you know, if, if, if the euro is going up 1%, the Nokia is going up, you know, 1.5%. So that needs to be taken into account. Um, where do I think? Yeah, I'll be buying pullbacks within this within this cross at the moment. I think that's 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 the play. So make or break. Wouldn't be touching it. Let the market come to you. I'm a, I'm a buyer of weakness, or if this breaks out, I'm a buyer of strength. To be honest, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I'll just be waiting for the market to just give me something there. Yeah, Sterling Aussie. You know, this was my play of the day last week. Um, I didn't expect necessarily expect it to do what it's done. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you, you were you were you were pushing the euro Aussie trade. I mean, I think in terms of movement in an effects market we, we managed to sort of hone in on the right place obviously yeah we get we get plenty wrong um uh, but yeah i think in, in terms of this i wanted to bring this up not because i was right i want to give myself a pat on the back but because it's a very interesting junction now yeah, we've seen a really powerful breakout with five seen five or six days in a row uh you know it's easy to not like the australian dollar at the moment we've got nothing priced in for rates so you've got central bank divergence we've got a weakness playing through in the copper market chinese equity market the tape there is hardly convincing at all um, so there's a lot of reasons now to, to not like um, the, the Aussie and we like the pound from a rates perspective and what's being priced in into the UK curve. Question is here, Blake, such a powerful breakout. Oh, oh, do we stay? My, my target was 188. I'm out of the trade. I don't have a position. Do we buy pullbacks here? Do we stay long for 192? How are you thinking about this now? Well, here's my biggest fear. Um, if, if you, and you don't have this on your chart, so I'm just going to map it out in your guys' heads or you can go, you know, draw it when you get a chance if you take the december 20th highs which is that spike right in the middle of your chart you go down to the lows which i believe is february 2nd lows we're at that we actually tagged within two or three pips the 161 percent. now that's the golden real golden fib uh, you know extension the 161 percent extension that tagged the high today so it's definitely on my radar i can't chase it up here but hell, I'd be buying dips, Chris. I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, relative strength, you don't have that on your chart either. It's just something that I have on charts. Every... I always have a gun with I know. Charts. Hey, you know, <laughs> my charts just have certain things that stay on there and they've been there for like 25 years. Anyway, relative strength is a little divergent on this move higher. So that means that I would just buy a pullback because we're probably going to get one. Yeah. But if we get a pullback, why not buy the breakout point? You know, if you can get a move back to 187. That's how I'd play it, play it back on the long side. Yeah, I mean, I think the Aussies right now is 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 the is the ugly child of G10, isn't it? It's getting it's getting yeah pretty badly beaten up. It, but I think the, yeah, is, the, you know, the vols of, are still pretty light, though. I mean, yeah, the, the, the implied vols are still. No one's expecting fireworks anytime soon. Um, that may change if we do see commodities break down, though. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people, um, myself included, like to fade moves like these. And and there's some there's times for there's times to trade it and fade it. Then there's times that you don't. When you're this high with equities where they're at right now, and and you're expecting a bit of a pullback, or at least I am. These are risk off vehicles. The pound Aussie could literally go parabolic. So I'm not willing to step in front of it just because it's at the golden fib. Which usually in a range trading environment, I'll do it, but not in this case. So I just want to make that point. I I, I love it, and I still love it to the upside. It's just I'm not going to chase it. I'm just going to buy dips. Sure. And I might miss it, Chris. That happens, right? It happens. 
happens. They're trades. All right, let's move on. Speaking of the setup, let's take a look at the Aussie and the Aussie dollar. This is a bear flag, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, you, you'll see the 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 highlighted or shaded areas. You'll notice the one to the far right. That's the 38% retracement. When equity markets are rallying, you got you got some European markets like the DAX that's near all-time highs. You can't even get a rally past the 38% retracement. When you get a consolidation of that that shallow, that's a bearish consolidation. So that's setting up for a bear flag pattern. We're now breaking below the flag support, which means that we're probably going to be making new lows pretty soon. However, you'll notice that the lows from October to the highs back in, uh, was October 20, uh, 22, to the highs back in January or just early February in 2023, the 618 retracement comes in just below the flag bottom. You have to watch that level. That level be around 65.50. We break below that. It could be a very bearish breakdown with Chris's copper chart. So Chris, what do you think of the Aussie here? <laughs> seller, I'm a seller into 66.50, 66.60, that kind of reason. Yeah, we're just waiting for a bit of heat to come out. Do I get the fill? That's the question. Um, yeah, there's not a light. We, we keep talking about the Australian dollar, but like, we love these bad bear flag patterns. I mean, the downside um, potential target from, from this is, is, is obviously significant. Uh, we've had the consolidation We 80% we, of the time of these bear flags rectifying the direction of the, uh, the primary trend. That's happened. Um, so I think that plays out. Now, will it go down to those targets? Of course, we, we, we never know that situation. Um, but the risk rewards, in my opinion, still favours the downside. And, and I'm happy to just wait for a little bit of a, a bit of heat to come out of the move. Uh, and I'll be looking to sell into there. So yeah, 66 50, 66, 60 is my, my sort of level. I don't know if I'll get that today. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens when we get the jobless claims coming out in the session ahead, the GDP numbers, the PCE, those kind of factors. Maybe that gives us a little bit of weakness um, in, in the dollar, but I'd be looking to fade that and, and they're, they're the fills I want. So great setup. It's already complete. The question is, is, is executing on that, that, that flow, I think, is, is, is the key one there. Anyway, let's go into play of the day and let's see what's on the mind. Well, I'm going long tech, Blake. Um, I talked about it earlier. Um, the chart that I want, the play that I do, yeah, long short. So what we've got here is um, the the Nasdaq 100, and I've, I've I've just divided it by the Russell 2000 or the US 2000 that we call it. Um, and and you really you're looking at that ratio analysis there. And that, probably the best way to to look at the outperformance of one market is of course what we do in FX markets. You're looking at one currency against another, and you trade it um, by you know, the direction of the first name currency. And that's kind of what we're doing here. So you know for me we've seen the Nasdaq working well. Uh, the Russell uh, is has been underperforming, and we can see that by that this huge move up that we saw through March. Obviously a lot of that down to the banking crisis or the banking concerns that we've been seeing that was then addressed. Um, but I like this trade, but I think it continues to work well. Why? Because yeah, the earnings we're seeing from from big tech are working well. You know, they're increasing their buybacks. That's going to reduce the volatility. Uh, it's going to you know, take out earnings, uh, you know, shares out the system. But if we are going to see a lower growth world, um, you know, tech's going to outperform. It's a safe haven. If we are going to see banking situations flare up, the Nasdaq's a hedge against that. So the Nasdaq's a hedge against a lot of the stuff that's happening in in that market, and it's also working well. So. I, you can see that we're about to break out and the NASDAQ. So I'm long the NASDAQ, short the Russell 2000 as a, as a long short strategy, obviously making sure my notional is exactly the same on both legs. Um, so I think this trade works there. So I think long tech um, from, from a multitude of reasons I just mentioned there.
Wow. You know, isn't it amazing? Tech will be the safety play in this situation. But it was during the pandemic, because it was during the pandemic. I mean, you've got these... Yeah, these beasts that that do well in in this environment. Yeah, you know, they're cash cows. A lot of the stuff, yeah, the earnings are quite predictable. They're they're less cyclical than other areas. So, you know, it works well. That's a new brave new world we live in, Chris. It brave really is. All right, my <laughs> my my play of the day is going to be the dollar yen. I know I di- I dipped into this one. I think I was on the short side a couple of weeks ago. Guess what? I'm still on the short side right now. So I'm going to be talking my book ahead of the historic. Brand new BOJ Governor Ueda's very first uh, meeting, which will take place about 24 hours. Well, they'll be meeting 24 hours from right now. They'll be in their meeting, uh, and then we'll expect some sort of uh, some sort of announcement. Uh, here's the thing: Are we expected any any moves on yield curve control YCC tomorrow? Probably not. And if there is, look out. It's going to be a massive move with you know just strength in yen. But that that's not expected. Um, there's probably going to be some sort of policy review. I think most people are expecting that. And then I believe it's June, right, Chris? June, it will be their next meeting. That's right. But well, that's, that's the big one, yep. That's going to be the big one where they're now. expecting a change. Exchange, right, they're going to expect a change. However, I want to get ahead of that because if they don't make any decisions tomorrow, which they're probably not going to, you're probably going to see a little bump up higher in the dollar yen. I'm looking to sell into that strength because we're coming out of an ascending wedge. I'm looking for a move down to at least 132, perhaps below 130, depending on how crazy the BOJ wants to get. Let's hope maybe Ueda, uh, you know, has a little bit of sake ahead of the meeting like um, like his old pal Kuroda. Let's I'll see. tell you what, though. How does this excite you, Blake? Debt ceiling. Go down to the wire. The currency, the currency to be long, undoubtedly, is the Japanese yen. I don't think we see anything from the Bank of Japan, although the Bank of Japan are probably the most unpredictable. If they're going to pull something out of the Bank of Surprise, it's probably them. So just be yeah. just be careful around that because they could surprise. But the, 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 the high probability and the consensus view is that they will look to tweak YCC going into June. That's a very positive event for the yen. So the combination of a debt ceiling dilemma, which favours the yen, at a time when the Bank of Japan are likely to change policy, they're going to have a review and they're going to talk up Oh, that is the stars are aligned for a massive move to the upside in the Japanese yen. The hard part for us, of course, as traders, is trading that move. You know, you don't want to be too early, but you want to wait for the market. So there are the stars are aligning for June to, I know we've got a bit of time under there. The stars are aligning for a massive move, in my opinion, a massive bullish move for the Japanese yen. It's going to be uh, a very, very interesting one to trade. So good shot bringing up. Thank you for that. And thanks for your time as always, Mr. Blake Morrow. And uh, for you guys at home, uh, thank you very much. If you could hit the like button, we'd love that. And obviously leave your comments and we'll try and get to them as and when we can. Thank you very much and see you next week for more of The Trade-Off.